Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the 4040 Vision podcast, the ultimate sports history pod where hindsight is 4040. Before we get started, let's pay some bills and hear from our presenting sponsors. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision podcast. I am your host, Colette Abdallah, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, the host of the currently in development Nonsense Zone podcast, Andy B. What's going on, Andy? How are you? Hey, uh, pleasure to be here. Awesome. I'm ready to talk about some bears. I don't get to do that here very often, so very cool, it's exciting very cool. for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so before we jump in, why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, the podcast that you're working on uh, and the one that's that's in development here? So it, it's just uh, you know I it, I think nonsense sums it up pretty well. It's just me and uh, my co-host, and we're trying to uh, get some guests on board and just have some fun. Um, we'll have some. Some topics obviously depends on who the guest is. Uh, mm-hmm. There will be no hardball questions. It'll all be uh, <laughs> just me shooting layups for people and uh, setting them up to be funny. Because while I may be funny at times, I find that I'm better at setting other people up. So I'm the I straight like man. It, I like it. You're the quarterback. So, I like it. Yes, I like it. Exactly. Okay. So today's topic is about the top three what ifs in Chicago Bears history. So as you can tell from uh, Andy's outfit, he is a big Bears fan. I am not a Bears fan, but I like this hat and I have a lot of Bears fan family. So I will be repping them. I, I appreciate on this podcast the effort as well. Yeah. Uh, so as I said, this is going to be about the top three what ifs in Chicago Bears history. We're going to try to focus on more 50-50 coin flip type scenarios, not big pie in the sky. You know, what if the Bears were in, uh, you know, Green Bay or what if they were in Milwaukee or something like that? We're going to talk about scenarios where we can see pretty clearly both outcomes. And we'll talk about how uh, or what the impact would have been on the team, the team's history, the legacy, all that good stuff. So Andy's going to go first. And I'll follow up uh, after that. So, Andy, what is your number one what if in Chicago Bears history? So I'm going to say what if in 1986, after the Bears' legendary trip to Super Bowl Twenty, if they had chosen to stick with Buddy Ryan over Mike Ditka. So there's backstory here. Um, obviously, Buddy Ryan went for a head coaching job. That's why he left. Also, for those that don't follow the Bears closely, you may not know. Buddy Ryan and Mike Ditka did not like each other. Uh, Buddy Ryan, the legendary defensive coordinator that made that dominant defense what it was, was also the defensive coordinator for the Neil Armstrong-led Chicago Bears. And then mm. Neil Armstrong was fired in 1982. The players uh, on defense wrote a letter to George Hallis, who was still running the show, but not really that in tuned with anything at that point because he was quite an old man. Uh, he assured the the Bears players that uh, I'm going to get the name wrong. I, I think it was Buddy Parsons uh, was completely safe. He didn't. So he didn't seem to know who Buddy Ryan was, basically. <laughs> okay. And uh, they were asking, hey, if you're going to hire a head coach, we think it should be Buddy Ryan. Uh, obviously they didn't go that direction. They hired Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka had his own, uh, defensive coordinator in mind, but Hallis did say, Hey, this buddy guy should probably do it. That's what the players want. And the rest is history. Buddy, or Mike Ditka wanted to run a Dal- Dallas Cowboys-esque defense. 
not being a Cowboys fan, I don't know what kind of a defense they ran in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know he was an assistant coach and a former player for the Cowboys, along with being a former Bear. And uh, so he had strong ties to the Cowboys. He lists um, uh, the Cowboys head coach, who's escaping me, legendary one with the hat. Tom Anyways, Landry. Tom Landry. He lists Tom Landry as his uh, mentor. And uh, anyways, so that's where it stems from. They got along for a while. Uh, Buddy's defenses carried the way. Now, Mike Ditka, uh, very probably not a popular thing to say with Bears mm-hmm. fans, but Mike Ditka wasn't a good coach. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I will say there are scheme coaches. And then there are rah-rah coaches. And Ditka mm-hmm. was definitely a rah-rah coach. And in that regard, he was good. He knew how to get his players amped up. But that defense, I mean, they've never, even to current Super Bowl levels, you've never seen a Super Bowl end with them picking up the defensive coordinator and carrying him off the field like the 85 Bears did. Wow. I mean, that shows where their heart was. Um, so, and then to throw on top of that, some of the questionable decisions that Ditka has made through the years uh, in his bears time. And once he went to the saints, but he basically chased Jim McMahon out of town. Uh, Yeah. And then, okay. I don't have a problem with that. Although I am a huge Jim McMahon fan, Mm -hmm. but if you have a replacement in mind, that's better. Okay. But um, he went through Doug Flutie. He went through Jim Harbaugh, through Mike Tomzak, through Steve Fuller. And he couldn't stick with any of them. You know, as soon as one of them had a bad game, you're on the bench calling the other guy up. So some of the decisions that were made after he left the Bears when he went to the Saints, trading the uh, entire draft away for Ricky Williams. That's more of a yeah, GM, but that. still. And <laughs> then idea. he and then he had, you know, the same quarterback problems there. He had Heath Schuler, uh, Danny Wolferl, a guy named Doug Nussemeyer, who's actually a coach in the NFL now. Um, and he couldn't stick with any of them. So it, it's just, eh, you know, love Mike so Ditka you, to death. Don't yeah, get me so wrong. What do, you think, what do you think would have happened if they had kept Buddy Ryan? I think Buddy Ryan went to Houston later after First, this job, right? Or was it no, uh, he, Philly? No, he was hired by the Philadelphia Eagles. Philly, uh, that's right. He okay. was their head coach. And uh, – you actually watched a lot of those Eagles play or those Bears players go to the Eagles afterwards. Hmm. So all I'm saying is maybe another Super Bowl. I don't think they would have been a dynasty. Mm-hmm. But the Bears defense continued to continued to be successful after Buddy Ryan left because of all the talent that they had. But they mm-hmm. never reached those levels like they did in eighty five. And I yeah. just feel like it was maybe and this is an emotional you know, uh, spin, but I feel like maybe it was because their, their heart was, was with buddy. Buddy was the one that really got them charged up and raring to go. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know about this. I didn't know that, um, you know, obviously I knew about buddy Ryan and the famous things like the four, six defense. And of course the 85 yeah. bears with the arguably the greatest defense in the history of the NFL. Um, I didn't know that, um, you know, they had that choice to make. And I thought, you know, Ditka was kind of a legendary guy, much beloved. I didn't know there were Bears fans that didn't really like him. So this is a well, so interesting. I don't, I, I don't want to go. I don't want to say I don't like Mike, Mike Ditka. I love Mike Ditka. I just don't think okay, he was okay. a great coach. Um, yeah, you know, that's 
uh, the, the, that's, that's a good distinction. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. And um, so just not to walk this one into the dirt too much, but you know, there's just, you know, look at the players that followed, look at, um, so famously, Buddy Ryan told the team before Super Bowl 20, hey, I've accepted a job in Philadelphia to be their head coach. Uh, mm-hmm. It was on record that most of the defense was in tears. Uh, big, strong, the 85 Bears defense were crying because their defensive coordinator was leaving. Um, wow. Yeah, it just shows that he really, they wanted to play for Buddy. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like I said, the talent was there. Maybe the heart wasn't as much. Yeah, once he so was maybe gone, the, the rest of the '80s goes a little go a little bit different for the the Bears yeah. in this case. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll go ahead with my number one. This is something that I had no idea about until I was doing research for this podcast. But apparently, uh, bef- you know, back in the days in the NFL, if a team, if two teams had an identical record, the tiebreaker in the draft, instead of you know strength of schedule or head to head or whatever it is. Uh, was determined by a literal coin flip. I know the NBA used to do this back in the day as well. So apparently, in I believe it was 1970, um, Terry Bradshaw was the number one pick, and the Bears and the Steelers had an identical 1-13 record. The Bears had beaten the Steelers that year, so the Steelers should have had the pick anyway, you know, according to the tiebreaker rules. But anyway, they did a coin flip for the rights to draft Terry Bradshaw, and of course, as we all know, the Steelers won that that flip, drafted Terry Bradshaw. And I think not only is this a huge Bears what if, but it's just a huge what if in NFL history. Like, do we still get the Steel Curtain Dynasty? Do we still get still get you know those legendary Steelers teams where they won four Super Bowls in the seventies? Uh, but for the Bears, you know, a team that has struggled probably since I don't know Sid Luckman or something to have a great quarterback. I don't want to say, I don't want to say above average, but a great quarterback. They would have gotten one, you know, in the 1970s. And who would have thought that a guy from Louisiana would have been a perfect like tough cold weather guy, you know, cuz he did well in Pittsburgh, would have done probably just as well uh in Chicago. And when I was I'm just looking back at at his numbers, I mean, just kind of an aside, but his numbers are hilarious. Like he led the league at one point with 17 touchdowns. Uh he led the league with 3,700 yards at some point. And is, for his career, he has 212 touchdowns and 210 interceptions. But it's just kind of a, you know, uh, a time, as mark of the times, I should say. And I also found that the Bears have not had an all-pro quarterback since the AFL-NFL merger. So it, with one coin flip, they would have checked all those boxes. Maybe not a 4,000-yard quarterback, but they would have gotten an all-pro, Hall of Fame, legendary quarterback who was incredible for the era that he was playing and did you know about this uh coin flip i i did know about the coin flip yeah um i of course i haven't studied this too much um my understanding of terry bradshaw was that he was a good quarterback on great defensive teams Mm -hmm. much like my favorite jim mcmahon um he was just you know terry bradshaw has four super bowls don't get me wrong he's Jim McMahon here, Terry Bradshaw here. But, um, you know, I think the biggest problem the Bears had at the time, well, they st- the problem they still have, but uh, is, well, back then the problem was the offensive line. I, I think they had a notoriously bad offensive line uh, in throughout the 70s, and they had uh, some quarterbacks like Vince Evans and Bob Avonlea that 
had some talent, but never really amounted to much. Mm. I think the biggest problem the Bears have is that they're not owned by football people. Uh, George Hallis being the exception. But um, so it wasn't so much a problem then as it is now. So I'm kind of getting off track here. I, <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying so, that Terry Bradshaw, I, I mean, I think, you know, is he? I, I, he's not the same guy in Chicago, basically. I think that I think quarterbacks by and large are a product of the team that they're on. And mm-hmm. if you put Terry Bradshaw on a bad team, I think you get a quarterback that may not be in the Hall of Fame. He might have made it. He might have made a Pro Bowl uh, or All Pro. I don't even know if they had Pro Bowls in the early seventies, but sure um, they did. Okay, um, but that would probably be my take. Okay, I think that's fair. I mean, uh, it's. Uh, I think it might be a little dismissive of Bradshaw. I'm sure he gets it all the time because he sure. did play on you know these incredible teams. But to be fair to him. The Steelers were probably one of the worst teams in the league, you know, in, well, in the sixties. You know, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Know, for a long time, they were kind of a joke of a franchise um, until those Terry Bradshaw, I mean Joe Green, all those guys. So, you know, it's, it's Bradshaw did throw a lot of interceptions. I was going to make reference because I think. I think Brad. I I thought Bradshaw. I, I was wrong because you just proved me wrong on the uh, stats that you read off. But I was thinking that he finished his career with more interceptions than touchdowns. But it was close. Um, it, it you might be right. I I should probably double check no, this because I was working on this pretty late last night. <laughs> so sure. maybe no, maybe I, it was. I, you know. I I'll defer to you. I think you're you're probably the one that's right. But uh, it was close, and that's like. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was. It's hard to judge it by today's standards because, like you said, it was such a different game. Um, a lot of times, yeah. quarterbacks throughout the '80s, anyways, successful season was twenty six, twenty seven hundred yards. You know, mm-hmm. it, they, I mean, you had the Dan Marinos that were hitting three thousand, but it, it it was a run first league. Yeah. Thank goodness for the Steelers. They went out and they eventually got Franco Harris. Um, mm-hmm. And, and no, Terry Bradshaw, I really, I'm sorry to any Steelers fans. I do not mean to be dismissive of Terry Bradshaw. He is a legendary quarterback. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do feel like you put him on a team like the Bear, the Bears that did not progress as quickly as the Steelers did. And maybe the Steelers sure. progressed because of Bradshaw, devil's advocate to my argument. But um, sure. it, it's, I'm not sure he was the difference maker, I guess, is where I was going. It's totally fair. Um, and I also found out that they won a coin flip in the 1975 draft for the right to draft Walter Payton. So I guess, yeah, yes, you win some, you lose some, you end up with those uh, coin you flips. Know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so what is your number two? Uh, what if here? So my number two was uh, the and I had some notes here, but um, so I believe it was the t- 2000. Oh, I forget the year, actually. It was the year that Mark Tressman was hired uh, as head coach of the Bears. The person that left the interview process thinking that he was going to be offered the job and was excited about accepting the job was Bruce Arians, mm-hmm. who later went on to take the – later that offseason, went on to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers job. And the rest is history. Uh, he – Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. He he took the Arizona Cardinals job and yeah. then eventually well, he moved had some on success the, there as well. Yeah. Yes. And and led one of the more successful offenses uh, of the era. And I, I just think about how overmatched Mark Tressman seemed his whole tenure as the Bears. And I think about what 
Jay Cutler would have looked like in uh, Bruce Arians' vertical offense. The one thing Cutler had was a cannon for an arm, uh, good mobility. Um, he maybe had some issues with uh, throwing to the wrong team from time to time. But <laughs> Another high uh, interception guy. <laughs> yes. But I, I feel like with the uh, um, the track record that Bruce Arians went on to have as a head coach compared to Mark Trestman, who, uh, again, this goes back to two things. One, the Bears not being run. By this time, they were firmly being run by the McCaskey family. And Michael McCaskey and George McCaskey are, admittedly, they will come out and tell you, we're not football people. We don't watch football. We don't understand football. We're businessmen. Uh, every now and then, we get an angry phone call from Virginia McCaskey, who is George Hallis's father and their mother. And they'll come back and say, mom's not happy. We got to make some changes. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, they chose Mark Tressman in part because of every, you look at every head coach that the Bears have chose since Mike Ditka. It was because Mike Ditka was loud and stomped his feet and swore at the reporters and was fun to watch. And they said, we don't want any more of that. <laughs> we don't want our coach swearing on TV. We don't want, you know. Which goes against the idea of hiring Buddy Ryan, too, because he famously punched uh, Kevin Gilbride on the sideline of the uh, Houston Oilers. You know, that was his offensive coordinator. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so having these loud personality coaches is not something the Bears are about. And So they hire Mark Tressman, who's, you know, quiet, bookish type, looks more like a college professor than an NFL coach. I mean, I know they did have the number two offense, I think his first year, but yep. it was weird. I mean, all of a sudden they just had like the worst defense in the NFL for some reason, yeah. which obviously is not something you associate with the bears. And I think uh, Arians would have been a great hire for football reasons, obviously, but he just seems like a bears coach. You know, he's a, he's kind of it loud. He's a tough guy. You know, he's got tons of experience. I think he was one of the older coaching hires, but he was always he was like this boisterous personality, like like Ditka almost, but sure. you know, without the cigar and the sunglasses. Well, he did have the sunglasses it, and the, the driving hat. So <laughs> it, it, it it takes I um it seems to me anyways, it takes a certain amount of charisma to be a head coach. And Mark Tressman wasn't really screaming charisma. Um mm -hmm. you know, where Bruce Arians is a character. Yeah. He's a guy that people want to play for. People still Call and ask, you know, players in the NFL that have played with him still call and ask his opinion on things. Other coaches still, hey, Bruce, yeah. what do you think of this? Uh, Steve Young was the only one that was really upset when Mark Tressman didn't pan out, and he famously blamed Jay Cutler for it, um, saying, hey, Mark Tressman's the best coach I've ever had. Um, you know, it, it's the player's fault, not the coach's fault. Mm -hmm. But then Mark Tressman went on to be a terrible offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens after being fired by the Bears. So I, I don't know. I kind of yeah, seem to blame him. It works out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think he was a, a pretty good coordinator right before this. I think we've seen he a lot of guys. 90s. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it, guys, you know, they're good coordinators, not so good head coaches. And then they go back to coordinating. But by then, maybe the game has passed them by, the style, whatever it is. So. You know, uh, and I, I believe Arians would have had some success, which would have led to some stability, which the Cutler era was wasted by instability. I mean, mm -hmm. Jay Cutler, with all his flaws, he had six offensive coordinators in 10 seasons. Every time you get a new offensive coordinator, it's like having to learn a different language. Uh, you know, 
that's a lot to expect from anybody to succeed under those circumstances. Mm. So, so before I jump to my number two, just gonna an aside, do you think Jay Cutler is the most talented quarterback to ever play for the Chicago Bears? I, Not the best or the greatest. But no, just like no, no. Yeah, I get the, the definitely get the <laughs> distinction. I would have yeah. said hands down, yes. Uh, Jay, J, uh, Justin Fields may have that now, but talent wise, mm-hmm. but um, I heard people say that Cut- that Cutler had the strongest arm they'd ever seen, and he was drafted by the Denver Broncos and had who had John Elway there. So uh, that's. Yeah. It's and he had he had underrated uh, mobility. I mean, he could move. He just wasn't going to take off and scramble a lot. But yeah, yeah, I, I think physically I mean, he was very gifted. Yeah, you made a conference championship game with Jay Cutler. Yeah. So I mean, obviously the the success was there. Um, so my number two, uh, we'll take it back to the '80s. So you talked about the 1986 season where they chose uh, Mike Ditka over Buddy Ryan. But this is more to do with the on-field situation rather than the coaching situation. So, obviously, coming off the 85 season where they have one of the best defenses in the NFL, uh, NFL history, I should say, the Bears come back in the 1986 season and their defense is just as good. Uh, they still have the same talent, like you said. They weren't, you know, they didn't have the same uh, defensive coordinator, but obviously the philosophies and the schemes and all that is still there. Um, and my what if is basically what if Jim McMahon's season didn't end early in 1986? It was one of the more uh, dirtier plays in NFL history where a defensive lineman from the Packers named Charles Martin basically like body slammed or suplexed, whatever you want to call it, Jim McMahon mm-hmm. after the whistle. And back then they were playing on the Astro, not even the Astro turf, just the, yeah, the Astro turf. It was like green he, cement basically back then. Yeah, basically, right? We're, you're not even wearing cleats at that point. You're just wearing tennis shoes. Um, and basically, you know, I, I know he doesn't get a lot of credit for leading that Bears defense or that Bears team to a Super Bowl, but he was by far the best option on that team. And even in that Super Bowl run, he still had 700 yards and three touchdowns and more importantly, no turnovers in, in those three games leading up to the Super Bowl. So I think the big what if is that if Jim McMahon is able to stay healthy, I do think that the Bears are able to repeat in 86 and they don't become it's not a quite a dynasty back to back is not quite a dynasty but it's obviously much more memorable and you get a lot more say credit from NFL historians and NFL fans for winning back to back um so do you think if if Jim McMahon was healthy uh, you guys would have repeated in 86 uh yeah i i think that's very possible now it, it's we when you take the quarterback play that they had, who I think Steve Fuller and Mike Tomzak, I could be wrong about Tomzak, were the oh, ones right. that stepped in. Um, Doug and Tomzak ended up being a fine. What's that? And Doug Flutie too. Oh, oh yeah, he was in the picture by then. Okay, uh, yeah, they took him in the supplemental draft, which was different. But um, yeah, I think I, I think that they could have definitely competed more than they did. Uh, so I, I'd say that's a very realistic possibility. Uh, there's something about McMahon, not the most physically gifted quarterback, um, but he was one of those guys. He was one of the first ones I remember hearing about that used to uh, work out in the weight room with the offensive linemen. And when after a touchdown was scored, he'd go headbutt everybody in the lineup. I mean, he just, they loved playing for him. And when when he stepped into the huddle, 
it, it really just brought a different level to just emotionally to the team. And, and uh, the bond that was there between McMahon and, and Peyton, uh, Jared Peyton is on X now and he, and he calls him uncle Jimmy uh, mm-hmm. because they were that close. And um, I, I think he might've been enough emotionally to carry that offense and the defense did its job. So, I mean, it, it's, yeah. uh, there, and there's just a famous game. It was the season before actually it was the Super Bowl season when uh, he missed the first half of the uh, Minnesota Vikings game and they jumped out to a 21, nothing lead. And he wasn't medically cleared to play, but he was in Ditka's ear the whole first half going, put me in coach, put me in, put me in coach. And finally Ditka had had it. He said, get in there. And uh, his first throw was a. The other thing McMahon did, and this is what drove Ditka crazy, and they end mm-hmm. up loving each other now. But um, he was the guy that would go into the huddle and say, "All right, that's the call they called. Yeah, we're not doing that." <laughs> and <laughs> and that's what happened in that Vikings game. He first play, he gets into the huddle and he says, "Yeah, no, that play sucks. We're not running that play." And he ends up audibling, dropping a bomb to uh, I think it was Willie Galt. Anyways, they ended up winning that game. His first three tu- his first three passes were uh, touchdowns, I think. Or I believe that was the case. It was definitely the first three drives were touchdowns, but I believe it was the first three passes were touchdown passes in that game. Mm-hmm. It, it was just he had a magic about him when he was in that part of his career before his body really started to hinder his performances. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, something to be said about the like intangibles that a quarterback brings, even if, like I said, he's not the most physically gifted. There's like a bravado, a confidence um, that's an inf- that's infectious, right? If you're in the <laughs> huddle with, you know, a young Doug Flutie, you're probably not feeling as confident as you would, obviously, with Jim McMahon, who you've kind of been through the battles with, the wars with. Like you said, the guy that's, you know, lifting weights with you in the in the in the weight room, and you know, just one of the guys type of player. So, you know, at, at the very least, they do have a chance to repeat because they obviously had a Super Bowl caliber defense, and they were, I think, fourteen and two that year, despite yeah. the. You know, carousel I mean, had some quarterbacks. So there were some tough teams that year, though. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Giants that ended up winning that year, the the Redskins, the 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 uh, the 49ers were tough. The J- Joe Montana 49ers were always tough. So, I mean, I don't think anything's given, but um, yeah, I think that there's they stood a much better chance. Yeah, when you have a an elite defense, I think you always have a chance. So yes. What is your uh, number three and final pick for the what ifs? So, and, and I really should have prefaced all of these with the fact that, uh, and this is something that hopefully if you watch the, uh, the nonsense Zone podcast, you'll see, you'll see I'm an idiot. So, um, <laughs> you know, no, okay. you know, I mean, a lot of this stuff, especially saying that Mike Ditka wasn't a good coach is stuff that's going to be very unpopular. Just keep in mind that I'm stupid. So, <laughs> you know, you can't get mad at a dumb guy. So, um, and so, this I know I've seen the the comment forums on different articles and stuff, so I know that this isn't a popular uh, opinion. But what if the Bears had drafted Patrick Mahomes instead of Mitch Trubisky? Um, the recent I'm going to say not. Sure. I, I'm I'm, I'm going to say not much different would have happened. Um, wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I so here's Explain, where here's please. where yes so. First of all, look at that draft leading up to that draft. All of the draft prognosticators had Mr. Bisky listed as their number one quarterback. It was really 
Yeah. Is it going to be Mr. Bisky or is it going to be Deshaun Watson? And it was like, oh, we we all really like Patrick Mahomes, but he's a project. He's not going to be good for another few years. He's very raw. He's got the physical skill yeah, set. Yeah, he's a system guy, Texas Tech. They put up video game numbers in the Big 12, whatever. So, yeah, I, I, I could see that. So, so the people that really chastise Ryan Pace for, oh, that was horrible. What was horrible was that he traded up from three to two when he probably didn't have to do that. Um, but taking Mitch who everybody was really high on. Um, I really, really blame uh, Matt Nagy for the downfall of Mitch Trubisky. And uh, okay. I think as evidence to that, uh, Matt Nagy is Patrick Mahomes' offensive coordinator right now. And Patrick Mahomes is having the worst season of his career. And it's because <laughs> Matt Nagy is a very charismatic guy. And I think he could have been a good head coach if he had let his offensive coordinator call the plays. He doesn't have the first clue about rhythm, about getting your offense going. Uh, so many games, even the 2018 season where he won coach of the year, mm -hmm. I'd be watching the game, run it on first down, get like a three-yard gain. Didn't get like a two-yard game. You got three and five. You've made some progress. And then you call like a triple reverse or something like that. That would, oh, gee, now we're, you know, he just, his gadget plays, horrible times that he called them, uh, was a huge precursor to what we saw of the, what turned into just terrible game calling. I remember near the end when things were bad between Mitch and, uh, and Nagy, and he was struggling, and they were playing against a really good Saints defense, and they knew he was struggling, and he still called 42 pass plays in a close game. Well, mm -hmm. You've got good running backs. You know, run the ball. You've got David Montgomery. You've got uh, Hebert wasn't, Herbert wasn't there yet, but they had a strong running game. He just – and then he famously made the comment, well, they didn't hire me to run out of the I formation. And then – a couple games later, you could tell somebody talked to him because he was running the eye out of the eye formation and they were running the ball really well. It, it just, yeah. and he's just trust the system, trust the system. And it was, well, a, it was Andy Reed's system, not yours. And B, you don't really know how to run it. So I, I just feel like a young quarterback, he just totally trashed his confidence. Not saying that Mitch Trubisky will never under the best circumstances. He'll never, he would have never been as good as Patrick Mahomes is now. But I think he would have ruined Patrick Mahomes too. Uh, That's a fair, fair, fair point. Um, what if it was Deshaun Watson instead of Patrick Mahomes, who was, you know, a two-time national champ? I think a much more, I mean, off-field discretions aside and current sure. level of play aside. I mean, at one point, I think he started think as a rookie. He, you know, was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL for a while. Would he have been naggy-proof? Uh, I think he would have been a. I think he was more polished and more pro-ready than any of the other quarterbacks. Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if anybody could have been, you know, again, uh, I made this comment that it's it's all in the team that drafts you, and I just feel like the Bears were, for a quarterback, the worst possible, possible location for a quarterback to get drafted during that time frame because mm -hmm. – and, and really, Ryan Pace shares some blame – uh, again, not a problem moving on from Jay Cutler, but then as long as you have somebody better in mind, and his answer to that was Mike Glennon, 
and just horrible <laughs> quarterback. Uh, yeah. You know, apparently a great teammate. Coaches love him. Uh, yeah, good but guy. Every t- <laughs> every time you got onto the onto the playing field, he was awful. And mm-hmm. so he starts the season, and then Mitch comes in, and that was during the John Fox era. But so, but that's where I'm saying Pace shares some blame. I, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know that. So no no Sean quarterback Watson, is naggy. I guess the bigger question I should ask you well, is. Why can't a, a quarterback succeed in Chicago? Why have they not in the, you know, whatever, the 100 years of the franchise? We why have hope. Why, yeah. We have hope you believe now in because... Justin Fields? You believe in Justin Fields? Uh, I like Justin Fields. I don't know if okay. I, I, I... I think he's probably done. I think this is probably his last year there. Okay. Could be wrong. I think the reason that we have hope now is we have a team president that is a football guy. Uh, okay. So, uh, it, you know, Ted Phillips finally retired again, probably a great businessman, doesn't know the first thing about football, didn't even, he would hire committees of of retired general managers to interview his head coaching candidates because he didn't know anything about football. So uh, Kevin Warren is former SEC president, uh, our chairman, and, uh, you know, he has a, a long history of, of uh, success in football. I think that maybe now moving forward, we have a chance mm-hmm. again, okay. uh, really when it looked like what were the bears looking for somebody that's mild mannered and not going to uh, get us in the headlines by the words he says <laughs> seem to be their top criteria. Yeah, for sure. So we'll, we'll come back to this because I do want to ask you, you know, what, what's next for sure. the bears, but um, so I'll go with my number three. This is a more recent one. This is um, Jay Cutler related. So the question is, what if Jay Cutler does not get hurt in that NFC title game? I believe it's 2011. So, you know, they're playing the Green Bay Packers in Chicago because the Bears did win the division. Uh, I remember watch very vividly that Cutler was out of the game for some reason. Didn't have any. He wasn't in the blue tent. I don't think they had the blue tent back then. And he was just kind of walking around the sideline with his helmet off. We didn't really know what was going on. I was like, this guy quit on the team? Like, what was happening? That was um, the narrative, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? And then we end up finding out that he had sprained his MCL, um, and the team, you know, ended up playing Caleb Haney at the time. They lose, I believe, 21-14 to Aaron Rodgers and the and the Packers. Again, a team that they had beaten earlier in the year. They had split that, that series and won the division. And I do think that, you know, with the team that they had, they had a – elite defense they still had the dna of that other super bowl defense with erlacher and briggs and israel donajay mm-hmm. they added julius pepper so it was just like littered with hall of famers and i really think that you know the what if is if cutler was healthy they obviously have a legit shot at winning an nfc title game at home against a team they had already beaten earlier in the year and then they would have been a great matchup for the steelers who were pretty good on on offense they had the number one defense so i think it would have been a really fascinating super bowl and one that i think you know the bears would have gotten a legit chance in what do you think was that was that steelers seahawks or was that steelers cardinals that that ended up being that ended up being steelers packers so that was the year that oh steelers uh, packers sorry yeah 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 Um, it was it was 2010 the 2010 season and that was the one that um you know aaron Rodgers ended up winning it was a pretty good game but sure sure um yeah, I, I yeah, they could have they could have made a Super Bowl run with with Cutler. Again, Cutler, you know, he was a he was a gunslinger, so you know, who knows if he would have had a costly turnover or something. I, I I loved Jay Cutler. I I feel like he got 
a lot of blame that he deserved. And I got, I think he got a lot of blame that he didn't deserve. Um, Again, when I go back to all the different offenses he had to learn in such a short period of time. Actually, I'll say Adam Gase made the comment when he was hired as the offensive coordinator uh, under John Fox that, and he had just finished, in co- finished coaching Peyton Manning to a Super Bowl the year before. He made the comment that Jay Cutler was football-wise the smartest player he'd ever been around. Um, which High wow, praise. this guy just coached Peyton Manning, <laughs> so uh, that's that's saying something. But at the same time, man, he loved that arm of his so much that I could fit this anywhere, and that got him in trouble sometimes. So it, it was really hard yeah, to count on Jay Cutler. The term for that is arm arrogance. I've heard yes. this. Uh, yes, for guys like him, Brett Favre, uh, in recent years, Josh Allen. I've heard yes. that that arm yep. arrogance uh, being thrown around. So, yeah, I think it, uh, it is fair that you probably can't, you couldn't completely count on Jay Cutler. But I do think, obviously, if he's healthy, then my bias you know. is going to jump in and say yes. You know, yeah, we <laughs> okay. could. We had a quarterback. Caleb Haney wasn't beating anybody. We we had a quarterback. We were close in that game without Cutler at the end. So yeah, we could have gone to the Super Bowl, and and I feel like we definitely that Steelers team was good, but they weren't. You know. Yeah, you know, they weren't yeah, a team that we up, were going to look at, and I think they had a, a tw- the twentieth ranked offense or something in the NFL. So it would have been an interesting matchup of two elite level defenses because, as I said, the Steelers did have the the number one sure. defense in the NFL that year. Um, no, so that was that's like James Harrison, the, and yeah. yeah, yep, incredible, incredible. Troy Polamalu in his prime, yep. those guys. Um, so that's it for the three what ifs. Do you have any honorable mentions you want to talk about real quick? Mainly, yeah. I mean, I, I've harped on this, uh, you know, the whole show, but it, it's if they had uh, gone to a football person to lead the team earlier. Again, the closest thing that they had to a football person was Virginia McCaskey, and she was kind of hands off. She only called when she was upset about the lack of effort or something like that. And we didn't have a, a general manager through most of the 90s, I don't think. And so when when you don't have football people running the front office – and you don't have a general manager. It's like no wonder we're you know from the eight, from Super Bowl it just was down. And we had a yeah. couple of spike years, but you know you got to have people that know what they're doing running the show now. Again, hopefully mm-hmm. Kevin Warren can can at least lay the groundwork for something. Yeah. So the other thing a, is mm-hmm. yeah, uh, uh, is it breaks my heart that they're going to be playing in a dome in the near future. Um, <laughs> You know, is that so confirmed? We, they're moving out to the burbs. Well, the they're they've. It's not confirmed that they're going to make the Arlington Heights thing work, but it is confirmed that they they want a dome. Uh, the McCaskey family wants to be able to host WrestleMania. They want to be able to host concerts. They want to be able to, you know, make money off their venue all winter. Yeah. To do that, you're going to need a dome. Ugh. I think you know, that's the Bears, that's the future of the NFL. I mean the. The the Vikings have it. The the uh, Lions playing the dome means the NFC North is supposed to be the you know the frozen tundra. And this might just end up being like I don't know, Lambo and Arrowhead. Maybe even I think yeah. even Buffalo. Maybe they'll do that at some point. Oh, but, Buffalo yeah. is building a new stadium and it's open air. That's exciting okay. to me. Like oh, there's not many open air new new open air stadiums being built. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. Especially I know how bad the snow is in in Buffalo. It's so the fact that they're like, yeah, no, we don't care. We're we're keeping it open. 
Man, yeah, I wish I the have, Bears would think like that. <laughs> I have my thoughts on that, but that, that's for a separate uh, podcast. Sure. So uh, my honorable mention is just the the double doink game in, in 2018. Um, you know, you talked about Matt Nagy. That was when he won coach of the year. They won the division uh, with Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky was a pro bowler that year. They had the number one defense. Um, I don't think they would have made it to the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl. I think they would have still had to travel to uh, L.A. to play the Rams and then to New Orleans, one of those two. Um, sure. And they had already beaten L.A. earlier that year. But I think asking Trubisky to go into either of those places, especially New Orleans at that time, I think would have been a little bit too much to ask. But they did have the number one defense. So they, anything that, is possible. That defense defense was, travels, basically. That that defense was special. But even if they made it to the Super Bowl, I didn't see them beating the Patriots. Um that was the other you thing, know, Mitch Trubisky against <laughs> against Bill Belichick. Mitch Trubisky. They and, played earlier yeah, that and Matt, season. Matt Nagy. Oh, yeah, did they, they? they played. Okay. Uh, no, no, they either played earlier that season or they played the next season. And and Belichick said right before the game, you know, we're going to make Trubisky beat us throwing the ball because mm-hmm. at that time, Mitch was running the ball really well. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that's something that people don't tend to remember how how strong of a runner he was but uh, oh i remember that he was a hell of an athlete he just stopped doing that for some reason maybe he just didn't want to take the hits anymore. i think it was an injury i honestly think that he well that and anytime a quarterback loses some confidence you know we'll see he's playing for the steelers the next couple of weeks we'll yeah. see if he can bounce back but i i don't he's, think so i think he's he's a, a career backup now yeah he's we're recording this on december 5th and he's uh you know, probably, I think, going to start the rest of the year for them. So let's real quick before we wrap up, we kind of touched on this a little bit of what's next for the Bears. Um, Right now, Justin Fields has one more year left on his contract. If the season continues, as we, many of us expect, they will be picking, you know, in the top three, and they have the Panthers pick, who are probably going to have the first pick in the NFL. So gut feeling, you know, do they draft a quarterback and move on from Fields? or? You know, what What do you think happens next? I, I feel like, uh, again, I don't have a huge problem with Eberflus, but um, I think he's out because that record is hard to hard to justify, um, yeah. even though the defense has been really picking it up. So I think if you get a new head coach, you're going to get a new quarterback too. I think they're going to want the quarter, the coach to pick their own quarterback. Uh, I think if they decide to keep Eberflus, I think that they'll keep uh, Fields. Okay. Yeah, I, I think. And I like Fields. Uh, I tell you, I find myself swearing at the TV an awful lot when he's holding the ball too long and running in the <laughs> wrong direction. But yeah. uh, I, man, he is fun. He reminds me of Randall Cunningham. Uh, you know, just dazzling skill set. Yeah, but doesn't win a lot athlete. of games. Yeah, exactly. He's an elite <laughs> athlete. Um, I don't know if he has the quarterback part down. You know, just yet. I think. My gut is telling me this regime, this team president, this GM, whatever, they didn't draft him, so they're not really married to him. Um, I think getting rid of him and getting another quarterback gives them a longer leash for next year, even if they keep uh, Iberflus. I think they can, you know, if they get there's a salary cap. You have to play the salary cap game. Starting over with a rookie contract, especially when the defense is starting to show promise, you Mm -hmm. know, that's that would be huge. Yeah, hopefully they get the next kid, you know, an offensive line and some weapons. So yeah, I hope I hope so. Yeah. So all right, man. Well, thank you, thank you so much for it, your insight. Um, where I know you're still working on your podcast, but you know, do you have a, a social media or something that, that you want to share with yeah. folks so they can check in with you? 
We are on Facebook. We uh, look up the Nonsense Zone on Facebook. Uh, I've, I think I've posted one one uh, uh, GIF or whatever where I'm I'm uh, <laughs> just looking at the screen and saying I'm trying to to start a uh, a marketing ploy of nonsense is coming. So <laughs> so there's just one post of me doing that. Uh, so Facebook uh, Nonsense Zone. I believe we're on. Um, Instagram and uh, threads also. Okay. So, uh, and we hope to start, uh, you know, what? my production values are going to stink. Uh, you're going to look at it and think, wow, you know, this, this show sucks. But hopefully once you start <laughs> seeing the, the, the content, you'll, you'll stick around because um, we're just going to roll with it. We're going to roll it right out early in January. Uh, test shows be damned and uh, see what happens. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, well, hopefully I can come on as a guest sometime. It sounds oh, like a I would lot love of fun. That. I would love that. Very cool. And, uh, um, and as for us... Thank you for oh, having me on here, and and and, uh, and I'm sorry for rambling like I do. It's kind of what I do. Uh. <laughs> no, no, you have a, a ton of insight. That's why I love having fans of the actual team, because you guys have a lot of like insight and inside information from you know the beat writers that you follow and just the being so close to the team that uh, you know me and another Raiders fan or something wouldn't have about the Bears. So... Thank you for that. Um, as for the 4040 Vision podcast, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make sure to leave us a review and subscribe where you're listening to this podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple, YouTube, whatever it is. Uh, make sure to check us out on all the major social media platforms at 4040 Vision Pod. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.